This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. The San Diego Food System Alliance is a nonprofit collaborative that brings together businesses, nonprofit organizations, government, local farmers and fishermen, and interested and passionate community members to create a good food landscape for San Diego County. Throughout this podcast, we'll be exploring what good food means to us and how together we're working towards a good food future for our community. My name is Shannon Pavel. I'm excited to be hosting the first episode of the San Diego Food System Alliance's Good Food podcast. Um, I'm the Development and Communications Manager for the San Diego Food System Alliance, and I'd like to start just by sharing a little bit about our mission and what we do. Uh, So we are a nonprofit collaborative working to cultivate a good food future for San Diego County. Um, We do this through advocacy, education, special initiatives, but really the network building is the heart of what we do. And through that, we're able to provide a space for conversation and shared learning, all to improve food in our region. So at the San Diego Food System Alliance, we use the term good food really deliberately because good food to us encompasses a few different things. And I'm just going to kind of read through our list really quickly, but We all know that good food should be nourishing and healing for the body. Good food is affordable and accessible to everyone. We believe good food values individuals who are growing and producing our food. Good food is valuing every ingredient to its fullest potential, and good food is knowing your local food providers and where your food is coming from. So we're going to be diving more into what we believe good food is and these ideas around good food throughout this podcast Um, But I'll just jump right in for our first podcast. We are ironically focusing on the last part of our food system, which is, of course, what happens to the food that we don't eat. I am very excited to have two lovely ladies here with me to talk about food waste. Uh, First, I'll introduce my colleague, Barbara Hamilton. Barbara is the Director of Strategic Initiatives for the San Diego Food System Alliance, Um, an overall sustainability guru and just lovely human. Uh, Barbara's work focuses on reducing food waste and increasing food donation to those who need it. So welcome, Barbara. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm also very excited to to have Chef Kat Humphus of Specialty Produce. Um, Chef Kat is a graduate of Le Cordon Bleu. She's worked in some of the most well-renowned kitchens in New York and Napa, and has worked in some of San Diego's best restaurants. So I'm very excited to have her perspective on this topic. Um, Welcome, Chef Kat. Thank you. Excited to be here. All right. So unfortunately, we know that if food doesn't end up in our bellies, it's likely ending up in the landfill. Um, This seems to be getting a lot more attention these days, and I'd like to jump right in and start with Barbara. Um, Barbara, can you share a little bit more about kind of why food waste is such a hot topic and also why this is such a big focus for the San Diego Food System Alliance in our work. Sure. Thank you. 
So it's interesting, but Americans have actually dramatically increased their food waste from around 20% in the 1970s to 40% currently of all the food that is grown in the United States is wasted. That's about $165 billion a year put in to make that food. This waste, alongside a growing population, is going to definitely stress our food systems, our natural resources, and our ecosystems. In the United States, the waste equates to roughly 400 pounds annually for every American. But meanwhile, one in seven Americans are food insecure. So bringing that home to San Diego County, we estimate that we throw away about 500,000 tons of food every year. And at the same time, about 500,000 people don't always have access to the food that they need on a daily basis. So yes, getting a handle on the issue of food waste is a really big deal. And it's also a really big opportunity. It's a solvable problem. Absolutely. I've definitely seen the big opportunities that we have in addressing this. And going back to that statistic, when I first heard that 40% of our food goes wasted, I was pretty shocked. Um, I'm curious, Chef Kat, with all of your great restaurant experience, what does this look like behind the scenes in the restaurant industry? Yeah, so... In my experience, um, I've worked at some places that try really hard to prevent food waste from happening, right? Because the way that food is received from a restaurant standpoint is we get our deliveries in the morning and there's fresh fruits and vegetables and proteins. And so once that delivery is handed over to the care of the restaurant, it's our job then to utilize it to its fullest potential. Like you said, I really like that term. And Then the other aspect of that is even if we use it to our fullest potential and use every part that we can and store it in a way that keeps it healthy and fresh and usable before it goes bad, the other part is that I think one of the biggest wasteful aspects of a restaurant is the food that comes back on the plates. So we can you know, use the stems and use the peels and make the stock and do all these things. And then we're still seeing so much food come back on our consumers' plates, Um, whether the portion size was too big or they're too full or whatever the case may be, um, or even if it's boxing it up, you know. Um, So to me, I think that that's where the majority of food waste happens in restaurants, Um, especially now there's so many different programs that, you know, really prevent the the just food waste as far as like something going bad like for example here at specialty produce we the way that our orders and deliveries work is if someone wants to order one bunch of parsley we will send them one bunch of parsley there's no like minimums where you're having to order a full case of anything and so then it's like oh no I'm a small restaurant I can't utilize that whole case like we we break all of our quantities um and there's so many you know storage solutions now and and preservation solutions that uh it's less of an impact, I think, now. Did that answer the question? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> no, that's that's great. And actually, I know Barbara has some some interesting facts around, like, consumer-facing businesses and households, so I'd love to hear your perspective on that, too. Yeah, so it's actually really great to hear some of the innovative ways that Specialty Produce helps their customers to address that issue of food waste as far as source reduction goes and eliminating waste um, right there in the back of the house at the restaurant. And it is consumer-facing businesses and households that represent the largest portion of food waste. That's about 80% of all the food that's wasted in the United States. Um, but part of that actually comes from, in, on the restaurant side, from customer expectations. 
So, for example, if we go to the grocery store, we expect to see all the fruits and vegetables looking perfect, being the right shape and size, being the right color. And when we dine out, we always expect everything to be available on the menu. And unfortunately, um, a lot of waste happens because the portion sizes, we expect them to be big. And we look at that as a value proposition. But in our homes, uh, we actually waste the most of all. About 43% of the total food waste happens there. And at home, it actually a lot of times happens because people have good intentions. They want to eat a more healthful diet, so they purchase lots of fruits and vegetables, but then they can't actually consume them during that week. Maybe they don't know how to store the foods properly. We're really finding that as one of the issues in San Diego County that people are looking for information on. Sometimes we prepare too much food for family and friends. Last night, I was trying a new recipe for pasta, used all sorts of great lemon boy tomatoes from my garden, but for some reason, the sauce wasn't very good, and I made too much. So I don't know what we're going to do with it. Maybe I'll make it into a soup or something. Bring me some. I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> There's also a really interesting study that shows that some people actually have a feel more secure if their refrigerator is stocked. And that goes for people who are on a lower income and also people who are on a higher income. Sometimes people don't plan their shopping lists or their meals, and then some people actually might plan their meals, but they forget to include that they're going to be eating out, and Americans eat out about 50% of the time now, so it's always good to think about that when planning meals. And um, lastly, there's a lot of confusion about date labels. They're generally not regulated, and they're not meant to indicate food safety, except in the case of infant formula. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of challenges kind of to this issue and um you know, not to be like the downer cuz I do believe that we all have really good intentions and are doing the best that we can, but there is still a lot of work to be done around this. Um I happen to know, of course, that the San Diego Food System Alliance is doing a lot of work around reducing food waste. Um and it's a lot more than we can cover today unfortunately, but stay tuned for future episodes around that. Um, but Barbara, I'd love to hear from you. What do you feel is the highest impact activity that we're having as an organization right now? Yeah, it's really exciting, actually. Uh, we're running a Save the Food San Diego initiative, and we're partnering with NRDC, the Natural Resources Defense Council, and the Ad Council, the group that did the Smokey the Bear ads. <laughs> and it's a three-part strategy. We have a broad-based consumer education campaign. And then we are doing outreach and support to food service operators, and we're also doing outreach and support for food recovery agencies. So um, when in our partnership with NRDC and Ad Council, we're expecting by the end of 2018 that we will have successfully reached 2 million of the 3.3 million people who live in San Diego County with some kind of consumer education outreach. And looking at the data that NRD shares with us, as far as how many people from San Diego County are going to the National Save the Food website, we've increased that by 360% since last year, which is very exciting. We're very happy with that. And we're also sharing this messaging through some other initiatives that fall under the Save the Food San Diego program, uh, Smart Kitchen San Diego, where we're working with larger food service providers like San Diego Padres, Park Hyatt Aviara in Carlsbad and Palomar Health and in part of me in Escondido. And we're able to do this through grant funding from CalRecycle and California Climate Investments so that we're able to provide 15 food service providers with a lean path food waste tracking technology and support so that they can reduce food waste at the source. They can measure that and make informed decisions about purchasing. Um, and then also we're helping them to donate 
the food that it that does ultimately sometimes come from overproduction. And on the other end, we're providing refrigerator units and transportation vans so that some of the food recovery organizations actually have the assets and the capacity that they need in order to collect and distribute that excess food. So it's really a win-win-win. We can raise awareness that food waste is an issue and that individual actions matter. We can source reduce food waste to save money and resources, and we can recover excess food to better provide for those in need. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. It certainly sounds like a win-win-win, and it's really exciting to get to see this work being rolled out. And I know the team is doing such a great job, so kudos to the team. Um, Chef Kat, so from your perspective, how do you see restaurants able to use this Save the Food campaign to encourage behavior change, knowing that guests come in kind of going back to Barbara, what she was saying about certain expectations that people come in with, whether that's portioning or, um, you know, familiar ingredients, classical preparations. But um, how do you see restaurants able to use this campaign knowing knowing those expectations that guests come in with? Um, yeah, I think that there's a, f- a few different ways. It's kind of a one is really obvious, but not done very often. <laughs> and that's um, explain the menu, like train your staff to set the expectation. And one restaurant off the top of my head that's really good at this um, is Urban Wood by Chef Brian Malarkey. Love um, place. Yeah, so it's great. so good. And I've been in there probably four times for dinner now. And every time the server, I've had a different server every time, is so educated on the menu and explaining these are a little bit smaller portions. I recommend ordering two to three to do this. And these are our, definitely our bigger entrees. So if you get two of those and maybe only get one of those, like, and it's just setting up, it's really pacing your diner's experience for them and providing them with information to help them make informed decisions. Um, so that I know, okay, well, the, the entree still needs some appetizers to make it big enough to be filling, but I don't want to order too many things or I'm going to, you know, not have room for dessert <laughs> or whatever it is, right? Very important. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so really setting that expectation for your diners and your consumers who and your, you know, guests that frequent your restaurant is really wildly important. Um, I have a funny story. When I lived in New York, there's this restaurant called Shopsons. I call it a restaurant, but it's like just a bizarre sort of like shack stall thing. And there was a documentary made about it called I Like Killing Flies. And it's just like the weirdest place. And when I moved to New York, I found out that I lived like around the corner from it. I was like, I got to go. And so I go in and I sit at the counter and I tried to order my breakfast, which was, don't judge, a mac and cheese pancake. Which sounds amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Sign me up. Yeah. And the owner like comes up to me and he's like, you need to order the half portion. And I was like, excuse me? And he's like, you need to order the half portion because you're not going to be able to finish it. And I was like, oh, I'm really hungry. Like, don't underestimate Challenge me. Accepted. Yeah, right? I'm like, bring it on. And so I made a bet with him. He was like, okay, if you can finish that, it's fine. But if you don't, you owe me five more bucks. And I'm like, <laughs> D- yeah, sure, whatever. And I knew that this guy was a character and I knew that he was like just off the wall. But I'm like, that's fine. That's a fair, that's a fair trade-off. I was so confident that I could finish it. Of course I couldn't finish it. And sure enough, there was like a $5 upcharge on my bill. He's like, "You, everyone here thinks they can do it and no one can. No one listens to me. And I, I remember at the time being like oddly humiliated and just like weirded out. But I mean, he, 
It's a really good point. Like, no one knows your business better than you. Like, tell if something seems absurd, like, communicate that with the, you know, with the staff or with the customer or whatever. Hopefully in a little bit nicer way than he did with me. But um, it did get me thinking because he his whole thing was like, this is just going to end up in the trash now. And, and I don't want that. And that's what he was after. He was like, this, our portions are big on purpose. And so unless you have someone to share that with, like, get, that's why we offer half portions. Um, so, again, setting the expectation, I think, is a really simple, easy way to help um, reduce waste. But also, um, you know, back to the idea of really using the the ingredients to their full potential. And so, of course, um, first of mind is Chef David Waite at Renton Rodent in Oceanside, who is really known for designing his menu around that. And I had an interesting conversation with him a few weeks ago about banana peels because he's making banana peel tacos. And so now they have like a smoothie bar in the morning and he's like, we're upcharging to add the banana peel because banana peels to us have value because we use them for our our tacos. So if someone wants the banana peel, they're going to have to pay a dollar extra because that means that we don't get them for the tacos. Um, And again, he has been, in my opinion, he's been so successful with his I say no waste, but really it's just his best effort at no waste. And he'll say the same, you know, it's hard to be completely no waste, but um, because he's really creative and really talented and everything tastes really good. So it's, you know, you're like, oh, I'm eating broccoli leaves, but it's it's not weird or disgusting because he makes it taste good. So um, I encourage chefs to just really get out of their comfort zone and and look at fruits and vegetables and proteins and look at things differently. You know, um, our, our good friend Tommy Gomes at Catalina Offshore, he does a great job of showing how to use all parts of the fish, um, which is a really cool idea, you know, because we're used to just getting our nice little filet of, of fish and th- there it is. That's the little, just the good meat, you know. And he's like, oh, yeah, but you can make chips out of the skin and you can use the collar for barbecue and you know, you can use this for that. And so I think that the more people that are willing to share these ideas and the more creative that chefs are willing to be and really stretch themselves a bit to do something that they maybe haven't before, um, it's just going to help everyone, you know. Um, I know that the San Diego Restaurant Association just, we did a class in April that was all about produce and how to use various parts of produce. And so it was like anything from pickling stems to using leaves to candying, um, you know, the zest of citrus. And and there's just so many ways and, and so many ways of preserving fruits and vegetables specifically that, um, you know, it, it, it widens the time span, right? And so it's like, oh, I have these lemons that are, ooh, kind of like, on their last legs, it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to zest them first and then I'm going to juice them and I can freeze both of those things. I can freeze the zest, I can freeze the juice. And then the only thing that I have left is just the, the pith and that's going to go in my compost bin, you know? And so it's just looking at things like, oh, this Swiss chard. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to slice up the, the leaves and I'm going to ferment that. And so that's got a real long time, right? That's just going to sit there for a bit. And then the stems I'm going to pickle and can them. And so th- so I now I have things in my pantry. I have things in my freezer. And uh, yeah, th- that's those are my two thoughts. 
<laughs> Love that. Um, I actually took the workshop. That oh yeah, you did, cool. and I remember that it was. I think it was a candied citrus peel, mm-hmm. and that was delicious. <laughs> I need to try that at home. It was. Oh, yeah. so, it was so good. <laughs> Um, so that's great. Thank you so much for the restaurant side of things. I would love to ask you both actually now as an individual consumer, um, what steps can I do to reduce food waste? So I think these are all really great tips. Um, the pickling, the canning, all of these things. What are some like takeaways that I could do being a, an average, average chef, let's say at home? Um, uh, what are some things that I could do that are easy, quick and easy? Yeah. So I think first, don't be afraid of having a little bit of green guilt because we all have the best intentions. And sometimes there's a few extra pieces of produce left in our crisper. But that's really the reason why when you're making your list to go shopping, look in your refrigerator and see what you have. A lot of times you can look in your fridge and you'll realize that you actually have everything you need to make a delicious meal. It may not be what you thought you were going to make, but it may end up being better. You can also look um, for recipes on websites. There are apps that let you search for the ingredients that you have in your house already, so you can use up food you have. Um, And don't be afraid to go to the farmer's market or at the grocery store and buy fruits and vegetables that are a different shape and size because they taste just as good. They're just as nutritious as the perfect ones. Um, And as Kat said, you know, freezing and canning surplus produce. Uh, Take your extra veggies and make a stew. You can turn your veggies into dessert if you have too many carrots to make a carrot cake or zucchini for zucchini bread. You can also juice your leftovers and have a nutritious breakfast or a pick-me-up in the afternoon. And when you go out to eat, uh, if you're at a buffet, just take as much as you want the first time. You can always go back and get more. And when you take restaurant leftovers home, if you did get that mac and cheese <laughs> pancake and it's too much, take it home. But remember to eat it because a lot of people forget to eat their leftovers when they take them home. You can always split meals. And there's lots of great tips. We encourage everybody to go to www.savethefood.com and you can find tips, tricks, and recipes to help you plan it, store it, cook it, and share it so that you just won't waste it. One of the recommendations that I have is to get more comfortable in the kitchen. And so my quickest resource for that is a cookbook called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, Mastering the Elements of Good Cooking. And that's by Samin Nozrat. Um, and it's it's really like it explains how flavors work. And so if you reserve Thursday night to be mystery fridge night and you have that cookbook, then it doesn't matter what you have. It gives you the confidence to know how to cook it. Um, and it, it's not necessarily a recipe. It's understanding the techniques and the flavors behind cooking. So if you're like, oh, I have something green that's probably going to be bitter, then you say, okay, well, I have this onion. Onions are sweet when you cook them, and I have carrots, and those are sweet. And so it gives you this like kind of fill-in-the-blank chart of understanding how to cook with flavors instead of with ingredients. Um, so that's one of my, my biggest suggestions for home cooks and everyone I've recommended that book to is like, oh, my God, this book changed my life. I'm like, yes, yes, I know. I think I needed it for my sauce last <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm writing that down, and I'm going to get that. What's it called again? Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Mastering the Elements of Good Cooking. I love that. I'm going to yeah. implement a mystery fridge night in a yeah. household. That sounds fun. It's fun, right? And then you can involve, like, kids or your partner or... The neighbors, right? Everyone bring over your mystery fridge stuff or whatever. It could be really fun. I've been trying to do this a little bit more, and especially with SaveTheFood.com, they really do have wonderful tips available. So 
in my house, you know, we've been doing our own veggie broth, chicken broth, um, freezing fruit that's a little bit past its prime for smoothies. Um, and I'm super excited. I just cooked with beet greens mm. for the first time, and they were delicious. I put them in a frittata with some Parmesan cheese, and it yeah. was like a whole new thing for me. Yeah. I love it. Um, well, thank you. These are all really, really great tips. So I was just going to spend the last few minutes, Kat, if you had any really specific recipes that you wanted to share for either pickling, maybe like the candied citrus peel recipe. <laughs> you know yeah. Off the top of your head. Um, um, yeah. I mean, it's both pickling and candying are, you don't even need a recipe. And so it's like with pickling, you need to have some sort of vinegar and some sort of sweet, unless, I mean, unless you're really into pickles, but some sort of sweet to balance it, right? And this goes back to that cookbook. Like once you learn how to balance flavors, then you'll be like, I'm invincible. So for pickling, you need a vinegar and you need something sweet like sugar or honey, and then you need something to pickle. Uh, so whether that's cucumbers for actual pickles or carrot scraps or beets or hard-boiled eggs, you know. Watermelon rinds. Watermelon rinds, exactly. Um, and then... If you wanted, you could throw any spice in there that you want to infuse with that. Some a lot, you know, turmeric is fun because it turns everything yellow, um, and it has a ton of health benefits. Or juniper berries, or just you know some basil that's kind of like bruised a bit. Like whatever, whatever you want. And my biggest piece of advice would be to try it all. You know, like just don't be scared of screwing it up. Like if you have basil that's going bad and you're like, I don't know what to do with this, throw it in there and then find out how that went. <laughs> like it's not, it's going to be fine, I promise. <laughs> um, and for candying, it's kind of the same thing. Like you need sugar and water and something to candy. And that's it. <laughs> and it's like you boil the something, which we'll use citrus zest in this example, in simple syrup, which is equal parts water and sugar, and until it basically evaporates enough to completely coat the the peel. And then you scrape it out and then you pour more sugar on it and let it dry just like in the air, just like leave it out on your counter. And that's it. And that's it. So there's so many different techniques that you can really apply to anything. Like you could pickle anything. You can candy anything. Mostly, um, you know, so and like you said, making stock like that's one of my favorite tips is when you're peeling anything um, to just keep a bag in the freezer that you just constantly add to. So you just have a bag in the freezer that's like scraps for soup. And then once that bag is full, then you're like, oh, it's time to make time to make stock now. Um, and so it, it doesn't have to be like you're cooking a big recipe and now you have stuff for stock. It could be like oh, I needed to peel this one thing and I have these peels now and now I get to save them. Um, so it's kind of just this ongoing project. Um, and the other thing is like, not to keep going back to the book, but when you had mentioned beet greens and it's like, okay, so you cooked with beet greens for the first time. And so now in your brain head, you can say, anytime I cook something dark and green and leafy, I know what to do with it. And so like one of the tricks is like beet greens are kind of bitter, right? And so it's like fairly safe to assume that anything that's dark and green and leafy is kind of bitter. And so now you know that it worked really well in a frittata with some cheese or it works really well with some acid. So bitter and acid kind of work together to create to balance each other out. So a squeeze of lemon juice or a splash of vinegar 
makes all the difference when cooking something bitter. And so it's not even that really specific recipes need to be adopted, although it's super helpful to have those. So it's always good to have both. But even just the confidence more than anything of knowing like, oh, I have this one technique, whether it's adding a squeeze of lemon or candying or pickling that I can apply to so many different things. Now you have like hundreds of recipes in your head that you didn't even know about. Those are (laughs) awesome recommendations. And I just want your brain. Brain head. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for joining me today um, for our first San Diego Food System Alliance podcast. Um, I was honored to have you here with me today. Uh, Thank you to Specialty Produce for hosting us. For more information about the work of the San Diego Food System Alliance, please visit our website at www.sdfsa.org. If you're interested in learning more about reducing food waste and what that looks like in our community, we are hosting our fourth annual Food Waste Solutions Summit on September 25th, 2018. Um, This is going to be a really great opportunity to learn, share best practices. We'll be bringing together leaders and advocates and highlighting the great work of local innovators. Tickets are available on our website at www.sdfsa.org. Um, And please stay tuned for our episode next month. September is Hunger Awareness Month, and we'll be highlighting food insecurity and the work being done in our community to address this issue. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please find us on iTunes or SoundCloud and rate our podcast. If you're interested in learning more about the San Diego Food System Alliance, you can find us on our website, www.sdfsa.org or find us on social media at sdfoodsys that's f-o-o-d-s-y-s I also want to thank Specialty Produce for hosting us today now go out and enjoy some good food in San Diego The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today.